Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Just a really quick reminder that the second season of Ruins of Empire is just about to get rolling, and to help support it and the Ruins of Empire series in general, I've got a pre-release campaign rolling on Kickstarter.com. Just go there, search for Ruins of Empire before October 23rd, and reserve your paperback or hardback copy of Ruins of Empire 2, Templum Venerous. Or you can just throw in a dollar and help keep this free podcast novel out there for people to find. And as always, thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, Book One of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. Having escaped from Vince LeBan and corporate justice, Vago, Althea, and Isra rushed back to the refineries in order to stop the catastrophe that Kronos predicted. But when they arrived, they found Halifaco and several Perfunduloi warriors had ended the truce with the Urbanoi and were ready to ignite the refineries and send both societies on Titan reeling towards total war. Isra and Vago tried to talk him down, but in the end the refineries went up in a spectacular ball of flame, and the mysterious Venganto rose to rain fire on the rest of the moon. Chapter 25 The true genius of the corporation lay in its precise mechanical nature. It has no passion, no hate, no love, no sympathy. Any slight against it can be healed with enough money, and it uses that to buy the hearts and minds of anyone they wish. It is wealth that motivates, and it is wealth alone. Its entire goal is to own all that can be owned. Because of this single-minded drive, the world has known no conqueror more pure, focused, and enduring. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization, by Martin Raff. Bago held onto the side of the loader as Isra maneuvered it into steep banks, rapidly accelerating over the Lagia Mar and in between the wreckage of Laban's amphibious assault force. The shock wave from the blast created a tidal wave that sent the hovering troop transports and gunships slamming into each other. At least one of the transports was damaged completely and sunk beneath the black, frigid water, sending whole platoons to an icy death. A few others had just enough power to stay above the water, but escape was impossible. Hover ships that could still move retreated. Isra had to weave and dodge between the larger craft to get out of the area. And that drive became more pressing by the moment. Vago looked behind him to see the last flicker of the sun's disk disappear behind the raging fires that were all that remained of the refineries. At that point, it was impossible to tell if the last flickers of light were from the final remains of the sun or the inferno. The light reflecting off the clouds of Titan revealed the Venganto soaring towards them, preparing to take their last revenge for the destruction of the planet. In the back seat, Althea faced the rear and watched the fires through the scope of an assault rifle. It's gone. All of it. The whole coast is burning. Isra took a hard left turn, and Vigo braced himself in his seat. Well, this was it. 
to hell with this frigid Eden and its higher-than-average collection of psychopaths. Maybe humans would return here someday, sift the wreckage, and wonder what happened to a settlement of this size. Civilizations vanish, and nobody knows exactly why, but if Titan was any indication, unadulterated human stupidity and insanity were to blame. Isra steered the loader out over open water, just as the Venganto reached the remains of Laban's fleet and started dropping their first firebombs. They were so close already that Vago could make out the wings against the shifting light reflecting on the clouds. So close that he could see their awful humanoid form. Vago shouted over his shoulder, We gotta go faster, Isra. Those things are coming and coming on fast. Isra jerked the controls to avoid an escaping equipment hauler and nearly sideswiped a group of marines on a smaller craft. There are too many hovercraft on this water. We will hit one of them if we go any faster. Vega watched the fast-approaching horde through his own assault rifle. That ain't gonna cut it. At this rate, we're gonna be knee-deep in a firefight in just a few moments. Isra took a sharp turn to avoid running over the remains of a sunken troop transport and the bodies of dozens of marines frozen stiff in the sea. Althea, take the controls. Althea made her way to the front of the loader. She handed Isra the rifle and sat down in the driver's seat. Vago, yelled Isra, raising the assault rifle. Four, coming in fast. Seven o'clock high. Vago! Om kiebias, yelled Vago, turning in the direction Isra indicated. Four Venganto flew in close behind them. Against the darkening orange haze of Titan sky, they looked about as long as a man and had a wingspan to match. They had two legs and two wings. Other than that, they were just dark, flapping shapes in the fog. The creatures dove in formation toward the loader. Vago fired first into the middle of the group, causing them to scatter in all directions. Isra aimed and fired next. If she tried to lead the flying creatures or aim in any way, it didn't help. She might as well have closed her eyes and pulled the trigger. Vago looked up just in time to see a Venganto dive close to the edge of the loader. It was so close that, for an instant, Vago saw a snarling face and eyes that burned red like the fires they just left behind. A sphere the size of a tennis ball shot from the creature's open mouth and plunged into the sea a few meters behind them. Light shone off the creature's black skin as it pulled up to avoid the blast that jolted the hovercraft and nearly sent Vago into the water. Vago braced himself. Keep it steady, Althea! Well, keep the bloody bastards off of me, she yelled back. Yep, this was bad. Althea never swore. Isra emptied the rest of her clip at the creature circling overhead. They move too fast. I cannot get a decent shot. Vega watched another creature break away from the group and start a dive. Vega aimed and fired. The creature pulled up to avoid the bullets, but the deceleration gave Vega a clear shot. He fired three more rounds and hit the creature at least twice in the chest. It tumbled over backward and fell into the sub-zero ocean. Isra, yelled Vago, watch for their attack dives. You'll get a window if they pull up. Another Venganto dived at Isra. She fired several bursts, but the creature never flinched, and a bomb flew out of its mouth. Just as it fell into the sea, Isra yelled, Althea, hard right. Althea jerked the controls, just as a spray of water crested the sides of the loader. Try again, shouted Vago, wiping the stinging water from his face. Aim just below their dive, and open full automatic. Another Venganto started toward the front of the craft, and Isra raised her rifle. She waited a moment, and then fired two short automatic bursts. 
The Venganto pulled out of the dive at the last moment, but the bullets shredded the creature's wings. Althea throttled hard, and the hovercraft passed beneath the creature as it dropped into the water as if it were never meant to fly in the first place. The last two Venganto gained altitude and started a gentle glide, letting the loader and its occupants go. Vago dropped back into his seat while Isra scanned the sky through the scope of her weapon. Once the two creatures were nothing but black dots in the distance, she sat down hard in the back seat. Looks like they're giving up on us. The rest will be at base camp in a matter of minutes. The last flicker of light and color in the clouds faded. One of the icy moons overhead bathed the planet in a dim silver glow. Vago sighed. I just hope for once his life Laban listens to reason and doesn't try to stop the evacuation. It's the only chance for any of us to get off this rock. They arrived to find the evacuation in frenzied progress. Marines, engineers, and workers ran between the camp and the shuttles with boxes of equipment, cases of supplies, and anything else that could be moved in a hurry. The transports that escaped the carnage made directly for the holding bays. The familiar computerized female voice echoed from the loudspeakers. Attention, all personnel. Shuttle lockdown in 15 minutes. Any person not on board must proceed immediately to the shuttles and prepare for liftoff. Repeat. Shuttle lockdown in 15 minutes. Vago jumped out of the loader just as Althea parked. Just in time. The fireworks will be more fun in high orbit. Kronos ran up to the hovercraft, nearly vibrating with excitement. You guys are back. What happened? We heard the shock rays in the air and felt it in the ground, even this far away. It was Halafaco, wasn't it? He started the war. What of the city? What of the pyramid? Vago adjusted his hat. The city is fine. The pyramid will likely outlive everyone else on this awful moon, but I don't see much sense in hanging around to find out. Let's get to the shuttle before things get out of hand. Out of hand? asked Cronus. Relatively speaking, of course. Vago joined the mad rush of marines and other corporation personnel toward the shuttles. He risked a look back to see Althea and Cronus running behind him. Isra was still back at the hovercraft, looking in the direction of the city. Vago stopped. Isra, we gotta go! We've gotta get on board now! For a moment, he assumed she didn't hear him. She looked at the camp with a strange longing before she slung the assault rifle over her shoulder and walked away. Vago stopped Althea. Hold up, I'll see to Isra. He ran back, knocking over a few crew members running the opposite direction and yelled, Isra, where the hell are you going? Isra kept walking. I am staying. Words failed him as he ran to keep up with her. He eventually settled with, Have you completely lost your damn mind? I cannot let the civilization self-destruct. I am going to put a stop to this before it is too late, and there is nothing to do but sift through the ruins. Vago grabbed Isra, spun her around, and pointed at the Venganto, cresting their horizon. Have you missed the entire series of events up till now? Titan is dead, and its civilization with it. It's over. We've got to go. Isra turned and kept walking. Vago tried to keep close behind her. This mission is over, Isra. This whole moon is going to be a damn killing field, and I won't be a part of it. Nobody is asking you to. Fine, you crazy gitchy. Get yourself killed. He waved her away and turned just in time to nearly run into Althea. 
And what are you doing? he asked. She held up her black medical bag. I'm going with her. Althea, listen hard. You see that mass of Enganto? Well, they aim to be showering us with badness in just a few minutes. They're going to make this camp look like the refineries Halifaco just finished with. He glanced back at Isra. She let her obsession overtake her good senses, and it's going to destroy her. If you follow, you're heading for the same. Althea smiled. Take care of yourself, Vago. She stood on her toes, kissed him on the cheek, and ran to catch up with Isra. Vago watched them leave. He felt someone lurking behind him, and turned to see Kronos looking up at him with a sort of pleading in his eyes. Vago motioned to the shuttles. This is your lucky day, kid. Ain't no one gonna be allowed to put your ass in jail. You can go back home, get yourself plugged in, and forget you ever saw this cursed rock. Kronos started to say something, but thought the better of it. Instead, he just smiled and ran toward the shuttle. Vago turned to catch up with Isra and Althea. He always suspected Isra would be responsible for his death. He just assumed she'd be holding the knife. Kronos sprinted as fast as he could for the shuttles. The computerized voice announced five minutes before lockdown, just as he was strapping himself into one of the seats. Hey, you're part of that reconnection project, right? Asked the Marine sitting next to him. I am. Or I was. Where's the rest of your crew? They decided to stay behind. The Marine's jaw dropped. You've got to be kidding me. That's suicide. How are they ever going to get off that rock? They are going to try and stop the war. The Marine whistled. Well, if they got religion, they better pray their God shows up or they are screwed. Kronos paused for a moment. Say that again. I said they better pray a God shows up to help. That explosion, those flying, whatever they are, ain't nobody going to survive down there without some divine intervention. Kronos mouthed the words divine intervention several times, then mumbled, If the people from Earth are like unto gods, who are we to disprove them? What? said the Marine, uncomfortable with any thought that couldn't be expressed in monosyllabic words. Never mind. I must go. Kronos undid his restraints and stumbled through the rows towards the back of the ship, shouting, Wait! Wait! Hold the door! You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire Podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.